Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us today in this episode of Informatics Bites, the podcast where we talk with our members about innovation in pharmacy, hot topics in informatics and technology. My name is Julie Puala, and today we will be chatting with Joe Lassiter, Senior Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Informatics Officer at Vincent, and Brian Fong, Health Data Architecture at Verify, about staying current in healthcare, information and technology, and what leadership strategies and skills are needed to accomplish this goal. Thanks for joining us today. Joe, can you start us off by describing your career journey in informatics and technology? Thanks, Julie. Yeah, it certainly has been a journey. And I was preparing for this podcast and thinking about um, that this is my 23rd year of pharmacy practice. And I, I got to tell you, it's just gone by in the blink of an eye. I've definitely followed a spiral path, not a linear path. I'm really in awe of some of the students who are going through today and have a very solid, concrete idea of where they're going to go and how they want to get there. It's, I think it's very admirable. For me, I'm really grateful for all the opportunities and challenges I've had over the years in pharmacy informatics and technology. And I think it's great to do these retrospectives because sometimes only in hindsight, you can see the threads of your careers and positions and how they led to where you are today. I've always had kind of this interest in population health, and which is more of how do we take care of populations rather than individual patients? That's not to assume that I don't like taking care of individual patients, but I think the population health is really interesting and that marries well with technology. And I also like to remind everyone that we really consider this an indirect patient care. So we're empowering patients themselves, as well as clinicians, to take care of patients. And that's exciting for me. So briefly in my background, I was on the original Bachelor of Science in Pharmacy path, which I achieved at St. Louis College of Pharmacy, and shortly thereafter returned to St. Louis College of Pharmacy for a Master's of Science in Administrative Pharmacy. And I think that was the first time I was really introduced to what can be done in, uh, with populations and how we use technology to take care of them, as well as giving me some solid grounding in leadership, operations, marketing, and a lot of the other things I use today. I spent the first part of my career doing direct patient care and then got my first case of population health and managed care and worked on some technology initiatives during that time as well. And then the seminal moment in my career in 2006, my director of firms at the time, Mike Brownlee, who was a wonderful leader and is now at University of Iowa, said, hey, Joe, do you want to be an informatics pharmacist? We have this thing called Epic Company. And I kind of scratched my head for about five minutes and then said, sure, why not? I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. And I have forevermore been changed because of that opportunity. So I got really deeply involved in technology at that point and how technology can be a solution to the patient care, operational, financial challenge of a health system organization. After that, I decided I needed to upgrade my skill sets. And so while working full-time, I returned and got my doctor of pharmacy degree at the University of Florida College of Pharmacy, which is a wonderful experience. A little too much pharmacy for me in general, doing pharmacy at day and then pharmacy at night, but was very happy to have gone through that and I've gone back. I tell my kids now that I've had 10 years of training in pharmacy and I think it blows their minds, but wait till they really understand what that's like when they get a little bit older. 
after that, I, I took a couple different opportunities, got the really a cool venture to work at Pacific University College of Pharmacy in Oregon, and they were launching a new pharmacy curriculum. And they wanted to understand a good way to integrate pharmacy informatics and technology throughout the curriculum. It's a three-year, year-round program. And so with a couple of my colleagues who I worked together with at Oregon Health and Science University, the new challenge was to help develop a curriculum where informatics and technology was slowly taught along with some other social and administrative sciences as a longitudinal process throughout the curriculum. And that was really exciting for me to be able to take that on. After that, my last health system position was at the University of Michigan Health System, and they were really ripping up the carpet and repolishing the floors and taking all their systems they had and consolidating into Epic. That was a wonderful opportunity for me to be part of redesigning medication use management through informatics and technology at a large, really reputable health system that had to think about patient care, research, and all the arms of, of health system practice. After that, I moved into consulting. I have been running a pharmacy informatics and technology consulting firm since 2015. And um, I had various roles there as the chief pharmacy officer, the chief pharmacy informatics officer, and the president of that organization. And exciting news this year, in April this year, we were acquired by Vizant and a large pharmacy consulting firm, and were able to bring our whole company and join Vizant as a new division really bringing the expertise about why healthcare and technology is so important in contemporary healthcare practice to all our pharmacy consulting clients across the country. And so it has been a wild journey, but I'm really grateful where I am today and excited to see what the future holds. Brian, you want to share your background? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely it's not going to be as rich or experienced as Joe here, so mine will probably be a little bit shorter. But so my name is Brian Fung. As opposed to Joe, I would have to say that I actually started off being interested in individual patient care versus population health, which as I think most of us who go into informatics switch in some ways. And now I'm, I love population health, thinking about the broader picture and that kind of things. But take a step back into my journey. I started off being very interested in tech, not interested in healthcare at all, can't see blood, not great with healthcare, biology, chemistry, all that kind of stuff. I grew up, you know, doing computer programming, a lot of tech stuff, building computers, things like that, and then switched over to pharmacy at the end of my first year in college as my grandma got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. It's kind of like a move toward healthcare because of family reasons. No one understood healthcare and it was very frustrating to not understand it. So I started off on that path, kind of took a traditional route towards informatics because as I went through pharmacy school, I realized that, oh, wow, there's a field that kind of blends healthcare with technology called pharmacy informatics. The unfortunate thing was that I found out about it at the end of my fourth year in pharmacy school, but became very interested in it, did a residency, then pursued a PGY2 in pharmacy informatics afterwards. A funny story here, it feels like it comes full circle. One of my most favorite things to talk about when it comes to pharmacy informatics is the med use process. And I don't know if Joe knows this, but I actually learned it from him when I interviewed at University of Michigan for PGY2. Joe spent a lot of time with me telling me about the med use process. He's also a fellow Gator, which I am as well, but went down that route, ended up pursuing a PGY2 at the University of Utah, and then 
took my first post-residency job at Mayo Clinic when they converted from 300 plus systems to one single converged electronic health record, which was epic. Once in a lifetime opportunity, they saw that I had an interest in infectious disease, and then they gave me the opportunity to basically lead the charge for implementing their Bugsy application. So antimicrobial stewardship and infection control. And so it was a four-year project, four different go lives between 2015 and 2019. Amazing experience, learned so much. I think anyone who does informatics can tell you during a go live, you just get all these unique opportunities, fun experiences, and you, you just learn so much. But that ended in 2019, and I became fascinated with a lot of other things. I think one of which was public health. You know, this is where I started to really switch into doing public health type things, especially with the Bugsy application, which is infection control and Epic. And I pursued my MPH at that time, then did my practicum and capstone for my MPH at the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, where I got to work on the 21st Century Cures Act and actually helped write the legislation for e-prescribing of controlled substances. It completely changed my perspective on informatics and really zoned in on the whole idea of interoperability. Why do we not have interoperability? Why is it so difficult to achieve? And I brought that back to Mayo and I started to work on anything that was about standards, interoperability. I did that for the last few years and just two months now, I think it's about two months, I decided to switch careers from my role at Mayo as an informatics pharmacist to a health data architect at Verily, which working on a lot of different things, but a big part of it is making data usable and interoperability is at the center of that. So brief background about myself. So thanks for the, the question. Thank you for providing us with that background about how you have journeyed through your career in informatics and technology. The next topic we're going to talk about is what leadership strategies and skills do you feel are needed to keep up with the ever-changing healthcare environment? Thanks, Julie. One of the things I really, the philosophy I like as a leader is this service leadership philosophy. We have to be leaders. We have to be at the forefront. We have to guide. And, but we also, we're servants. We help serve the people we are leading. And really, it seems paradoxical on the surface, but it's a philosophy that served me well throughout my career and will continue to, to serve me that we, you know, we're all in this together. So just because you're in a leadership position doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to the people you're leading. The other thing I like to think about when I'm thinking about strategies or skills is guiding principles. I think that's a, a buzzword bingo my team uses. I say that phrase a lot, much like Brian, to Brian's point, I said mid-use process a lot. But these guiding principles are really helpful because there are things we can return to when we're trying to analyze if we're on the right track or if we're satisfied with what we're doing. And so some of these principles are things to think about. You might have your own guiding principles or your own philosophy that, you, that to help guide your professional uh, career. So the first one of mine is resilience. I know this is getting a lot of airplay lately with the challenges of the pandemic and the constant stressors on healthcare. But I think it's an important thing for all us all to develop this ability to cope with and recover from setbacks that naturally happen over the course of someone's career. Secondly is adaptability. This is the most important thing in healthcare to be able to pivot and react to the changing environment. As we were talking about in my background, I thought I was going to be a direct 
patient care pharmacists maybe do something in population health or leadership. And I had to adapt to this technology career path, which has served me well, but also has been really interesting and came out of nowhere. I don't think we envisioned that this was going to be a specialty for healthcare clinicians 10, 20 years ago. Thirdly, I think it's important to have integrity and reliability. Um, as we look around the world today, I think there are a lot of institutions that are not living up to what they're supposed to be living up to. So we have to make certain that we are building our reputations for being reliable and accountable. And not everyone can do this 100% of the time, especially not me, but it's a goal of mine to be able to strive for this. Fourth point, uh, guiding principle is persistence. So we need to keep sight of the goals we want to achieve by personal goals, the organizational goals, national goals, patient safety goals, you know, whatever it may be. So keep sight of those and keep those in mind and be persistent in achieving them. A quote I really like is, be stubborn about your goals, but flexible with your methods. And I think that helps you to keep in track with the things that are ever changing. Your methods might have to switch over time, but you're striving towards your goals to stay the same. And my last guiding principle for me to keep up with this ever-changing healthcare environment is dedication. Really remind yourself every day as I try to that we're patient care profession. We went into this for various reasons, but that's at the core of what we do. And first and foremost, the systems we put in place, the technologies we put in place, the processes, the regulatory aspects, all must be designed to better serve our patients. Otherwise, they, they're just uh, bureaucratic or processes and systems for system's sake, and that isn't useful for anyone. And we've all kind of seen examples of that in our career. Brian? Yeah, Joe, you took some all the things that I wanted to say. <laughs> no, but that's, that's super great. I echo everything that Joe said there. The main one that I'll maybe add that may be a little different is one that I harp to my students quite a bit is communication. I think being a good leader, one of the most important things you can do, it all revolves around good communication. In a rapidly changing healthcare landscape, I think it's very important that leaders are able to articulate the complexity of healthcare. And that simply boils down to taking the time to sit down, learn, being open-minded about new ideas, and then ultimately being able to communicate those ideas with others. Personally, I think it's just, again, taking the time to learn. And for me, I subscribe to a lot of different journals, different news websites, and just content related to healthcare. But I also think it's really important that leaders branch out to other areas that are completely beyond their own comfort zone. For example, one of my favorites is about learning how healthcare systems work. You know, we all have our ways of how we were trained, especially as pharmacists, on how healthcare systems work. But it's important to look beyond, let's say, the U.S., learn about how healthcare systems work around the world. You know, what are the pros and cons of, let's say, a single-payer healthcare system or universal healthcare? You know, why do some countries have a national patient identifier and others don't? You know, these are kind of the topics that I don't think are as discussed in pharmacy, but as a leader, I think it's very important that we draw on ideas from other leaders around the world. And so I, I think it's just a, something that's very important to keep up with the current landscape of healthcare. Thank you guys for answering that question. I feel like I'm learning something from this podcast. The next question is, what advice do you have for individuals who feel like they are struggling to keep up with the changes in healthcare and technology? Thanks, Julie. 
one of the things I would advise colleagues about struggling to keep up is uh, really kind of know what are your need to knows versus what are your nice to knows. So for example, what do I need to know to stay current in pharmacy practice today? What do I need to know to stay successful in my career? What do I need to know to help manage my team? And that really helps focus what I need to stay current on, what I read to, what I subscribe to. We're in this current age of a wealth of information and getting that signal versus all the noise out there. I mean, you could spend your whole time listening to wonderful podcasts such as this or reading blogs or catching up with current literature. And so you really have to focus it down to what you need to know to be successful. And that may change week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter over time as your role changes. We also have these nice to knows, and those are things I set to the side to learn later. Um, if I have spare time at waiting for a plane at the airport, layover somewhere, and then I can uh, sort those that way as well. Another piece of advice is just be curious. I, I think that's a lot why a lot of us got in healthcare as well. We are curious about how the body works. We're curious about the effects of medications. We're curious about how we can help patients. And so maintain that sense of curiosity. I like to ask myself why a lot. I think this is a good uh, holdover skill from our drug information courses. I think the standard saying is you have to ask why five times when someone asks you a drug information question to get to the right answer. And I may not ask myself it that much, but really asking yourself, why? Why is this happening? So be curious and wonder about our world. And that helps lead you down paths where you naturally keep up with things that are going on. When I look back over my career, I've always said yes to new challenges and new opportunities. And I think that that's served me well. It's certainly scary at times, but it allows you to get take on something new, to learn about that new area, put it into practice, and then share what you've learned with others. So always looking at these new challenges and opportunities as ways to grow has been helpful for me versus barriers to what I think I should be doing. And the last point I'll say of advice is to teach others. There's a, a cliche saying that you don't really know something unless you're able to teach it. But I really think that's true because you have to understand the material enough, break it down in terms enough that that learner can relate to, and then respond to questions that you don't know. I've been uh, lecturing on informatics uh, for quite some time at various schools of pharmacy, and I'm always amazed at the questions I don't anticipate or ask or the concerns that students may have today. And students come from a wide variety of backgrounds. There's a lot of second career people who may have seen a lot of things, people who may have even practiced in technology-related fields. So I look for that opportunity to help me be able to communicate better, but also to challenge me and make me think about uh, healthcare in different ways. Brian? Thanks, Joe. I really like what you said about the nice to know versus the need to know. And I think for someone like myself, I probably have a little bit of ADHD, just get distracted all the time with think different things to learn. I think that is actually something I do on a day-to-day -day basis is thinking about what do I actually need to know today? Because the question at the end of the day, there's only 24 hours every single day, and there's only a certain amount you can spend on making sure you learn what you need to know. So I, I love that. One of my colleagues uh, taught me about the Eisenhower matrix, which is a very methodical way of implementing that. Basically, it's a two by two matrix. What's urgent, not urgent, and then what's important, not important. And if you split your tasks in those categories, it really helps you think about, uh, you know, maybe this is something you can turf to like next month or something that you can learn. Some of the things that I personally like is identifying a niche that you really enjoy and then going all in. I've always felt as though if you really enjoy something, it's not as much of a struggle to learn it in that sense. So it's like 
it doesn't feel like work, if that makes sense. And for me, that was infectious disease informatics. You know, I really went all in and it wasn't as much of a struggle in that situation. Maybe something that's more practical, though, is turning things into habits. So there were many times and still to this day, I struggle to keep up with all the changes that are ongoing. And so what I try to do is turn them into habits. And what I mean by that is, you know, picking, you know, some arbitrary time of day, maybe you're a morning person before you wake up and start work, maybe read a journal or read an article, read something on social media with the news, something like that, or doing it in midday or after the day. One example I used to do in pharmacy school is actually, maybe this is a bit of a a bit much, but every Saturday I would spend my uh, entire day reading the critical care journals from SCCF, Society of Critical Care Medicine, because it was something I was very interested in. But making sure you dedicate a specific date and time, perhaps getting out on your calendar, really helps turn it into a habit and to help keep up with things. And then the last thing I'll probably say is that know that it's okay if you aren't able to keep up. I think uh, Joe kind of mentioned it earlier too, is there's just so much information out there that you can't possibly keep up with every little thing that happens in the world. But also know that it's okay that we as humans aren't always able to keep up with all those things. There will always be something new to learn, but it's important also to make time for ourselves, our personal lives, our friends and family. And those are my pieces of tips. Thanks, Brian. And then the last question from the day is related to ASHP. How has ASHP contributed to your ability to keep pace with the changes in technology and its effects on healthcare? Thanks, Julie. ASHP has been my professional home since 2000. When you're a student, it's very easy and, and actually encouraged to get involved in a lot of different organizations and kind of find where you fit. As you get older and get busier, it's helpful to pick something and go deep on it rather than have the breadth of involvement in many organizations. For that, ASHP was me. It was that for me. And I've had the opportunities to participate in various elector roles, committees, tax forces, as well as do things such as this and webinars and scholarships. And it's been really wonderful to be part of ASHP. Having a dedicated section to our specialty practice area is exciting for me. Not only is it a popular section, but I believe it's the most popular secondary section for practitioners. And that's encouraging me because even if people aren't practicing this area, it underscores the importance of technology for healthcare and pharmacy practice. And so I'm excited to see that. I also really deeply appreciate ASHP's ongoing advocacy, responding to the political climate of the times, advocating for pharmacist practice at many levels, and continual emphasis that technology is vital to empower pharmacists to practice at the top of their license, again, all to help patients at the end of the day. Essential for me is attending conferences and forging my professional relationships and partnerships and networks. COVID was a very interesting time because we all had to kind of adapt. I don't mean to say that as it's past tense, but reflecting on COVID, um, it has to go. We have to really think about what's important to us. And I realize how important it is to be able to see all the people I've worked with across the country, all the people I've been on committees with and partnerships and just meeting up with people and talking about what's going on and what they are working on and what they're interested in for me is a, a way of lifelong learning and making sure that I stay on top of my game. And so ASHP is kind of the nexus of all that and will continue to be for me. Brian? 
Thanks, Joe. I, I certainly echo many of the, the things that Joe has mentioned there, too. A couple of things on my end about this is the first and foremost is always the people, and in this case, the network. I've been a member of ASHP, I, I think, in my since my second year of pharmacy school and have always been a member. But the talent and network of resourceful, like-minded individuals, especially within the pharmacy informatics domain and especially within SOPIT, has been my home for all things informatics ever since, I don't know, when I first started. But the network, it, it's, it's super great. I can't speak to how many individuals I've connected with learn from who I personally considered mentors that came straight from a SOPIT meeting, a work group, the ASHP meeting, but the network has been extremely invaluable. The second thing is maybe just all of the different content that is produced by ASHP and specifically pertinent content. And I think it's very common that there are questions, especially nowadays, about informatics, healthcare informatics, and how we get into it. But when it comes to pharmacy informatics, I don't think there's any better place to get resources about pharmacy informatics besides ASHP. ASHP truly has a wealth of resources in every media format that you can imagine. One example, this is not just informatics, but I have been subscribed to is something one of my professors at University of Florida had me subscribe to was the ASHP daily news briefing. Been using it every single day for, I don't know, last decade keeping you on top of all pharmacy, regulatory, practice, research, informatics, any type of resource you can imagine that pertains to pharmacy. Amazing resource. And again, something that I still use to this very day. The other thing is when it comes to informatics, I'm pretty sure I've read every single white paper and article that was published by ASHP as it pertains to healthcare technology. It was the holy grail of anything and anything related to pharmacy informatics amazing group of resources. And it was probably what I used to prepare for all my PGY2 informatics residency interviews. And then the last thing I would say when it comes to like ASHP's impact on myself is probably the very first publication of ASHP Foundation's, what was that? (laughs) It's a survey of all the pharmacy informatics leaders about what the pharmacy profession will be like in the next four years. And why it was very important for me is because it was, the first publication was in 2013, and it talked about how there was a lot of well-trained clinical pharmacists, but likely a shortage of well-trained informatics pharmacists. And that was one of the many, not many, one of the primary reasons why I actually chose to switch from pursuing a PGY2 in infectious disease to a PGY2 in pharmacy informatics. And something I highly recommend to individuals, uh, it's published every year and talks about where the pharmacy profession is going. So ASHB has been one of the best resources that has impacted my career through and through. Back to you, Julie. That's all the time that we have today, but I want to express a heartfelt thanks to Joe and Brian for taking time out of their busy schedule to join us today to discuss leadership skills and strategies that they employ to stay current in healthcare information and technology, along with telling us about the benefits that they have from ASHP. 
Thanks again for tuning into this session of the Informatics Bytes. If you haven't before, I encourage you to check out ASHP's Informatics resources. You can find member exclusive offerings in the Informatics Resource Center, such as articles, standards, and guidelines, which Brian mentioned, as well as practice tools for pharmacy informatics and healthcare technology related topics. Be sure to follow at ASHP official podcast for more episodes from the section of pharmacy informatics and technology. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.